Decoding is Decoded. I am Mark Thomas with Tanima Company. In today's episode, we're going to talk about sustainable design projects and what contractors need to know, including the types of environmental rating systems they're likely to encounter, the documentation that they'll need, and some of the how-to tips to make sure that it goes smoothly. I'm joined by Jennifer Gleesberg. Jennifer is part of our inside sales team here at Tanemic Company. She's a lead green associate, a CSI construction document technologist, and NACE Level 1 certified. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for having me today. Okay, so we know the past 20 years or so, there have been a lot more of these green projects that are being built and designed. And uh, there are now a lot of different types of green building design platforms and rating systems. And you get involved in a lot of these uh, with your career here at Tanemic. What type are you most likely to see or encounter as far as a coatings uh, manufacturer goes? It seems like the the most um, project questions that come across my desk are for the lead um, for version 4.1 rating system. Um, that that's the most common that that I see, and then I also see um, the Living Building Challenge Red List as a rating system, um, the Well Building Standard rating system, and then there's a Collaborative for High Performance Schools Chips rating system, and then I also get some Cal Green um, questions that come across my desk. So it sounds like LEED projects are by far the most commonly encountered, and we're going to throw a lot of acronyms out today. LEED is Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, and that is really one of the leaders in these uh, green building design rating systems uh, that's been around for over 20 years now and is very commonly encountered. And it sounded like maybe the second uh, that, that we at least get involved in is Living Building Challenge. Um, sometimes that's LBC is the acronym that's used. We'll talk about both of those, uh, even though there are some other ones, and you had mentioned a few others uh, that they could encounter, but I think probably LEAD and Living Building Challenge from what you say is are probably the two to concentrate on. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so let's say that a coatings applicator successfully uh, bid and, and, and got a, a LEAD project. Uh, what are the first things they need to be aware of? when encountering, before they get on site, before they, they start applying, what do they need to be aware of? So they need to be aware or make sure that they um, research. Typically, you know, you might see that the products that are specified um, meet the living building challenge or the lead requirements for paints and coatings, but that isn't always true. So what they should look out for is um, researching, you know, if the manufacturer of the coatings that they're bidding on meet the requirements. So that means do they have um, the testing that is required. And we'll kind of go into that testing here. I think today, um, what if, if the VOCs meet the, the requirements as well. And then um, if there's any paperwork that the manufacturer has that they need to submit when they're th through the bidding process. So coding projects or products have to be qualified to be used on a lead project. And you would assume that the specification has already pre-qualified those, that the specification is correct. But of course, it's always good to look through that very carefully to make sure that your what you're bidding on and what you'll be using on that project is indeed a, a certified or a qualified product. Yeah, that that's absolutely correct. Okay, so you'd mentioned some of the testing. 
what's some of the testing that would qualify a product for a lead project? So there is a, a few credits within lead that point to paints and coatings. One is the indoor environmental quality, low emitting materials credit. And that requires that coating paints and coatings meet the uh, VOC requirements of either CARB, um, SEM, or South Coast Air Quality Maintenance District. And the, the specific rules will be stated in the specification um, requirements for the LEAD project. And then also the California Department of Public Health um, emissions testing, you might hear it called CDPH emissions testing. So those are two things that you want to verify that the products that you're betting on um, or that are specified need to have in order to to qualify. Okay. And is there a specific test with the CDPH that they need to look for? Yeah, the version 1.2-2017 is the newest version. Um, so there are some differences from the previous versions of that lead pointed to with like lead version four versus lead version 4.1. So you want to you want to make sure that you're requesting the proper documentation from the manufacturer um, as far as what the requirements of the project are. So uh, not only ensuring that the specification is correct before you're, you're bidding on those projects or those products, once you get actually successfully get the, the projects, making sure the documentation is, is all outlined. And I would imagine that most manufacturers are going to list that they have meet uh, a certain uh, emissions test on their product documents, would they not? Yeah, you would typically see that the manufacturer would have some sort of documentation, paperwork, um, lead information sheet that outlined, you know, the particular product, whether it met the emissions testing, what the VOC requirements are, um, and things of that nature. Okay, so let's assume that you've got all the, the documentation for VOC, their compliant products for that project, uh, all that squared away, what other documentation might they be asked for? They might also be asked for um, environmental product declarations, which is more of a life cycle um, assessment of your product, a health product declaration, <clears throat> which you might hear e environmental product declarations be um, an acronym EPD, and then the health product declarations, which is HPD is the acronym for that. And the health product declarations, we hear a little more um, in our line of work with the paints and coatings, just because it's more of a recipe um, per se of what ingredients are in your paints and coatings. So <clears throat> those are two things that often get asked for um, when you're talking about like lead materials reporting forms that come across my desk every day. Um, they're looking for the HPDs, EPDs, they're also asking for recycled content because there's credits within LEED that look at recycled content as an option for, um, you know, earning a credit, as well as um, raw material extraction and <clears throat> just some other things that um, you might want to look for because those are going to be asked for and um, coding manufacturers might, might actually have them. So the health product declarations, the environmental product declarations, um, those are, are are documents related to the products being used in the built environment. And I think that just my own experience with with these types of 
building projects is that's really encouraging transparency and information exchange between uh, what is being installed or applied within a building and and what they're what those things are made of. Are there any uh, health considerations that need to go into it? Uh, are those recycled materials? So I think it's all a drive to uh, really try to be more transparent and informative as to what kind of materials are being used in that building. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that is correct. And I might want to point out too that um, the requirements for the health product declarations and environmental product declarations are that you have to have 20 permanently installed products that are used on the project. And those EPDs and HPDs have to come from five different manufacturers. So keep in mind that you could use products, paints and coatings or other products on your project, as long as you met that requirement of the 20 from five different manufacturers that have those EPDs and HPDs, um, you could use other products on the project. So just to clarify that a bit, the, the emissions test, the VOC requirements are, are absolutely required for that the, the coatings products to be compliant for use in that building. However, um, coatings manufacturers or the coating products don't necessarily have to have an EPD or an HPD to be used. They're just, if you can get that or the architect can get that from other manufacturers, those coating products could still be used on the project. Yeah. Yep. That's correct. If they're, if they're wanting to use the, um, those credits, which one is for um, building product disclosure and optimization, the environmental product declarations, and then the building product disclosure and optimization, which is the material ingredient reporting, which is the health product declarations, then, then you're going to look for products that meet those requirements. But keep in mind that if they can fulfill those requirements, then they, you know, you might still be able to use other products on the project. So we know that mistakes happen in, in building projects. They're not, they never go flawlessly. Uh, what would happen if, whether it's through a substitution request that's approved or just inadvertently uh, a product that's not compliant for lead buildings is used in a project. Are there any alternatives or does that have to be removed? Yeah, there, there are some alternatives. Um, one is to use a VOC budgeting form um, that can be found online. And I'm not saying that always works, but I have heard um, that that can, can be used in, um, in certain instances where, yeah, you, you come in, you know, to a project and um, realize that, shoot, we used a pro product that may not be applicable um, <clears throat> because it doesn't have the, the right VOC or it doesn't have the emissions testing. So that VOC budgeting form can, um, you just basically lay out what was used on the project and provide the, you know, volume, um, the VOCs, and then it'll give you like a baseline scenario on if that budgeting will work for your project or not. So that's definitely an option um, after the fact. Or if, if, you know, it maybe it happens where you realize after it's applied, but there might be an instance where it, you're, you're catching it before that application. And I would say reach out to the product manufacturer and find out if they have a compliant product that you can switch out um, or that can be substituted, you know, to meet those requirements. So it sounds like if you were to go the VOC budgeting route, it would really only help you if you used a non-compliant product in a in a small portion of the building, or, you know, if you, 
if you applied a thousand gallons and 50 were non-compliance, uh, it might help you out there, but it's not going to, if everything's non-compliant or a vast majority of the coatings that were applied are non-compliant, it doesn't sound like it's going to help you much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly haven't seen it necessarily um, the outcome of that, but I have heard on several projects that, that, that has been used as an option. So. So there, there are a couple of little uh, areas that you might be able to maneuver if there's some uh, products like that, that, that shouldn't have been used on a, a lead project. But I think getting all of that documentation and, and verifying that upfront sounds like it's critically important. And then also really watching for substitutions uh, going in there with products that weren't necessarily originally specified, make sure that those would be compliant in case that substitution is approved. Yes. Okay, so let's move on to uh, living building challenge. You had mentioned that one as another type of, of uh, design practice and kind of a rating system that some architects are using. What is the difference between it and a lead rating system project? So there are some similarities. Um, it, there is, instead of credits that lead points to, the Living Building Challenge points to pedals. So they have different pedals and requirements within those pedals. And one is the pedal number 10, which is the red list of chemicals. But there is, um, and I think it might be pedal number eight, um, but that one is specific to, you know, paints and coatings and the requirements for that. So that also points just like lead to the California Department of Public Health, the CDPH emissions testing. And it really just depends. Um, they have different living building challenge, um, you know, requirements that it, it really just depends. You might look online to find out which version of the CDPH emissions testing that they're pointing to. Um, but keep in mind, if a manufacturer has the, the newest version of the testing, then it should, you know, be retroactive to what, what the previous versions are, um, because only the, the requirements only get more stringent, you know, as, as the rating systems go, get developed. Um, but as far as the red list of chemicals, that's a, a very stringent list of chemicals that ingredients that cannot be in your coatings. So that really, you know, really takes into effect what can be used as far as paints and coatings on a living building challenge or LBC <clears throat> red list project. So it sounds like the lead projects have many more products that would potentially be compliant versus a living building challenge. That's going to be a much smaller group of products that most manufacturers will have to offer that would be compliant for a living building challenge project. Yeah, because there's things like epoxy resin or formaldehyde that are ingredients that cannot be that are you know listed on that red list that cannot be in your products. So that really depletes the you know <clears throat> the paints and coatings that can be utilized. So that means any epoxies, um, you, you know, you might have some polyurethanes that can be used, but it, it really really depletes what um, what you're able to specify on a on an LBC project. Okay, so um, it sounds like even more so that if, if you're a coatings contractor, you're reviewing the specification for a living building challenge project, uh, you wanna make sure that those products are compliant, of course, but also if it's, a, if it's a smaller group of products that can be used, you may have some atypical or unusual system 
systems as far as primers and intermediates and top coats. And if that's the case, of course, you'd want to take a look and see if there are any special recoat windows or cure times or anything that's unusual, because it sounds like the smaller your, your portfolio of products that could be used on a living building challenge is, the more unusual those products might become. Yeah, that's true. Um, as a as a paint manufacturer ourselves, you know, we know that yeah, we have to to make systems that we maybe not otherwise would have utilized, but still are very high performing. You know, good systems as far as the products that are being used um, to to meet those living building challenge requirements. And the neat thing about Living Building Challenge is that they, on their website at livingfuture.org, they um, are very apt to put the products and um, specifics on the project that were, you know, used on those Living Building Challenge projects. So that really highlights if you're looking to do or work on a Living, you know, Living Building Challenge project to, to see what products have been utilized out there um, and to find out what manufacturers could meet those requirements. Okay. And with the proliferation of all of these, these green building uh, design philosophies, what's that done to coding technology over the years? <laughs> it, it's made coding manufacturers, um, you know, work on their formulations, um, lower VOCs, um, <clears throat> really, you know, work on the water-based side uh, technology-wise and higher solids content, not necessarily, you know, taking anything away from our existing high, high-performing, long-lasting, you know, um, life cycle um, products, but really just diving down into what, what the formulation is and, and how we can better formulate our products to, to meet these, you know, ever-changing requirements. Okay, so it sounds like with the proliferation of these uh, green building rating system uh, design philosophies like LEED and Living Building Challenge, it's it's driven a lot of new technology into the market. Uh, formulators are, are adjusting the way they're approaching coding formulations, make sure they're compliant, still high performance. Is there anything that a contractor needs to know uh, from a, a practical standpoint about these products as far as application characteristics or cure times or... Uh, anything from the applicator's perspective that they need to pay particular attention to? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, you know, from from that aspect, I would just make sure that you're paying attention to, you know, thinning requirements. Um, also, what uh, maybe there's an Excel, if there's an accelerator, if there's certain colorants that um, come into play, those types of things could affect, you know, the, the VOCs, if you thin too much, um, anything like that could affect, you know, what the requirements of the lead or living building challenge or any of these environmental rating systems um, requirements are. And you just need to be mindful. Um, always best, maybe if you're working on a project like that, you, you reach out to your local coatings representative to, to ensure that, whatever you're doing um, on that project with that particular product or system um, is going to still meet the requirements um, or else you can, you know, also look at our performance or product data sheets as well. So, so it sounds like um, if the product itself shows up in its container and it's, it's compliant for use, you've got to be as the addition of thinner, accelerators, maybe field pigments could could throw that to where it's it's non-compliant anymore. And um, 
I would imagine that a lot of these uh, architects, they're, they're trying to gain as many credits as they can to achieve their, their green building goals. And so they're probably just wanting to make sure that if, if paints and coatings is one, one area that they can achieve some points and some credits, they want to make sure they get those and they don't want to be thrown out because of something that was done in the field. Yeah, absolutely. Because I've heard it before or seen it come across my desk and, you know, you always want to cover those, <laughs> cross those bridges um, before there's an issue at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we talked about lead uh, leadership and energy and environmental design, uh, and that would entail the CDPH emissions testing. And also, so you want to make sure that documentation is is with you uh, before you, you bid and, and certainly before you apply, make sure everything's compliant. But you also might be asked for a health product declaration, HPD, an environmental product declaration, and EPD. Those are not required necessarily for coatings, but it is a way for an architect to get some additional credits if a coatings manufacturer might have those available. And then we talked about the living, living building challenge, uh, and that points back to the emissions testing as well, but it's a much more onerous list of prohibited raw materials that a, a formulation can utilize. So much smaller group of products that you might be able to select from for a living building challenge project. <clears throat> yeah, I, I would just um, like to say to just if you're if you're a contractor out there and you're working on any of these environmental rating systems and you have forms that get you know, sent to you from an architect, a consultant working, you know, for the project team, and you're not sure of what to do, um, send those on to your, you know, uh, coding manufacturers, and they'll be able to fill out those forms for you or point you in the right direction. So. All right, great advice. Well, Jennifer, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully this was helpful for the contractors listening in. Obviously, uh, if we can be of any assistance, contact your Tinemic representative. We're happy to help you out. Thanks a lot. Thanks.